Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Abundant Solutions Hour. Our goal is to help others be more, do more, and have more. I'm your host, Gregory Turner. And I'm your co-host, Brian J. Henderson. Brian, you know what? This show that we're gonna, the show that we're going to do tonight is pretty much a follow-up of the show that we did Monday night. It's close. I would say so. It's close. It's close. It's going to be close. It's going to be powerful. It's going to be moving. And the person that we have on tonight, Brian, she's an example to so many other women, and not only women, just people in general. It's going to be a powerful show, Brian. Oh, yeah. You know, I I think this show will be a show of confirmation from Monday night's show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The fear thing, getting over that fear. When you make a decision to do something, it's amazing when you make a decision to do something. And our guest tonight, Brian, I heard her speak and I uh, one night well, at, at a Toastmasters meeting and she was speaking and I heard her say some things that moved me and I was saying, wow, look at her now. She was this shy person in the corporate world, but Brian, you should see her now. You know how you, when you're younger, you, you, you don't think you can do something, but then when you finally jump out there and you start doing it, oh, my goodness. I'll say this, and I'm sure my guest is saying, imagine me. <laughs> imagine me. You know, if you look back over your life and you start stepping out there on faith and start believing that you could do things, what you're doing is introducing yourself to somebody that you never knew. Mm. You know, Greg, I, I think also when, you, when you're in that situation where you, you sort of back down into a corner mm-hmm. where you don't have any other choice but to, but to either move forward or get crushed. Yes. You know, I think, that's when, I think that's when the best of what you have tends to come out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I was talking with a with a gentleman today, and you know, he was, you know, a little worried because he was not happy in where he was, in, you know, in his job. And he actually called me yesterday, and uh, he got my number from a friend, and he said, you know, do you know of any job opportunities? Because I'm not happy where I am right now in my job, and I need to get out of there. You know, and today he came in and he said that. Uh, when he got to work this morning, his supervisor, his boss, came in and told him that he had been let go. And then he tried to come up with a reason why he let him go. And he said, you know, he didn't have any markups. He didn't have any blemishes on his record or anything. It was just that the guy, he and the guy just wasn't getting along. And it wasn't because he was doing anything wrong. He said, you know, I did my job, but the guy just, we just weren't compatible. And I told him, I said, well, remember yesterday when you made that declaration of, I don't like where I am, and I want to get out of here. I said, "Well, that's just." The, I said, "Now you're free. Now you're now you're able to go and do that." And sometimes, you know, you just have to get that little nudge mm-hmm. to go forward. And you know, and I think that's that's the same situation that Carol was in when she was in the, you know, in the. Uh, oh well, let me go ahead and introduce her first, and then I'll say that. And I'll ask that question. <laughs> Our tonight's special guest is Carol Davis, and she knew that overcoming her shyness in the business world would be hard. It required that she use all of the skills necessary to overcome shyness in other areas of her life and more. And I'll I'll pose this question. Carol, first let's introduce you. Are you there, Carol? Yes, I'm here. Well, we thank you for joining us tonight. (laughs) Thank you. And I guess I'll start off and ask this question. Were you in that type of situation where you felt like you had nowhere else to go but forward? Yes, I would have to say that, yes. Mm. So, well, and we know what you did, but tell our listening audience, what did you do? Well, um, I was in corporate America, and I worked there for 15 years. Um, the first step was stepping out and getting into an organization uh, called Toastmasters, which uh, allows me to enhance my speaking abilities. 
not only speaking abilities, uh, evaluating and different things, so and to enhance that and to have the courage to get out and speak in front of people. Now, initially, the concept was that I was going to speak out in front of people in the corporate world and become a supervisor, manager, or what have you. But as time went on, it came to be that I was going to move to Tallahassee. And um, the thing that actually uh, made me go ahead and take the move and actually step out, if I could say, uh, and move was that I went to a sermon on New Year's Eve night. As we always know, New Year's Eve, you go to church. And a pastor there spoke in um, Genesis chapter 12 where the Lord had spoke to Abram and told him to get out of his country and out from around his kindred. And I will make thee a great nation, I will bless thee, and I will bless those that bless thee. And that he asked him to go out into a place that he had never been. And for me, that was confirmation for me to go ahead on and move. And I moved here to Tallahassee where I don't know anyone. It was just my daughter attending school here and my grandson. And I stepped out into a career that I had never done before. I had been in corporate America for over 15 years. And to step out into uh, doing real estate, something that I had not done before, in a place that I was not familiar with, took total faith. And it was uh, overcoming fear. Mm. Mm. Well, let me ask you this, Carol. If you could look back over your life, and you, if you look back over the things that that you dealt with, you look those things in the face. There's a, and the reason I, I'm saying this is because there's a lot of women listening tonight. There's a lot of women that have been told that they can't do this. There's a lot of women been told by men that they will never be anything, and a lot of these people that told the women this, this this ugly thing are their husbands, a family member, someone on the job, a teacher or a professor. Somebody is speaking death into these women's lives. So at some point you had to say whatever it is that you were afraid of, you had to step up to it and say, you know what, I can do this. And you had to make a decision to do what you're doing now. How did you, what was it that fueled you to do what you're doing? Wow. <laughs> That's really deep. But um, first of all, you, I believe you have to have a desire within yourself to want to do something. And it's something within you that lets you know that there is something more that I should be doing something more. No matter what is going on around me, no matter what people are saying to me, it's something within you that says to you that I am more than this, that I can do more, that I am more. And it just kind of keeps whispering in your ear. And God would allow certain things to happen to be a confirmation of that, that there is something better for you. And if you step out on that faith, I am the light and I am your salvation and I will make a way for you. And as it says, I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. And sometimes you have to encourage yourself. You can't uh, depend on other people to encourage you, to uh, give you what you are looking for. You have to find it within yourself. But there's something in you that lets you know uh, it's a little bit more to this. And I believe I can do a little bit more if I just step out on that faith. I, I know that I can do it. And I have to say, if you all allow me, I cannot believe that your subject the other day was fear. And a few years back, I wrote a poem, and it's entitled Fear, if you guys allow me to read it. Yes, yes. Right yes. ahead. Oh, great. Okay. I mean, over probably five years ago. But the title is Fear. It's Fear, a powerful four-letter word, a word that can stop a 400-pound man in his tracks a word that can keep an intelligent woman from experiencing the joy of giving birth, fear. It does not discriminate based on race, social class, or economic stability. It comes in so many forms. It has no limits or boundaries. Fear of rejection stops us from going after, from going after love, opening our hearts, speaking from our soul, touching with our spirit. Fear of loneliness allows us to be abused, misused, and degraded and say that it is love. Fear of failure stops us from taking risks, 
trying new things, making sacrifices, challenging ourselves to do more, seek more, become more. Fear of commitment makes us disrespect those who love us, distance ourselves from friends, harden our hearts so no one can come in. Why do we give this fear so much control? How can we overpower this fear? A voice whispered to me, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can give love, receive love, and still be strong after love is gone. I can climb mountains, walk through valleys, confront obstacles, then dust myself off, hold my head up, and move forward. Fear not. Greater is the spirit within you. Wow. Wow. So when you all told me what this, the, the subject was, I said, I can't believe that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just can't believe that. And I had to find that poem today. Awesome. Awesome. Greg, you know I'm, I'm almost speechless because I'm thinking, wow. Well, <laughs> since you're speechless, I'll say this. <laughs> I, I said this Monday night, and it's something that a lot of us really don't know how to do. It's such a hard thing to do. Is when things happen to us, we have to stand back and look at the situation. We have to remove ourselves from it. Because the first thing that we do is we fall apart. And we think that we have to struggle with whatever it is that we're dealing with, but we don't. And even when somebody wrongs us, you know, when they do something to us, or that husband that's beating that wife, or that person that's raping that woman, or that woman that's mistreating her child, or, or whatever the case may be, we must learn to operate in love no matter what is happening around us or to us. And that's such a hard thing. That, that's mm-hmm. so hard to to do that. But when you do that, and I said, love is perfect. Love yeah. is, We're not perfect, but love is. Yeah. And we all know the meaning of love. So if, if you operate in love, you cannot go wrong. You will not make those boneheaded decisions that we usually make and, and we we get so angry so quick. We say the things that we shouldn't have said that we can't take back. Mm-hmm. And that's, Absolutely. yes, and that's sad. And, and Carol, I wanted to ask you this. In your struggles and growing up, I don't know whatever you struggle with. You don't have to talk about it here. But in, in coming up, have you ever been faced with a decision that you either had to move and do something or you thought that, your life would end. Yes. <laughs> yes, I have been faced with uh, many decisions uh, in growing up, many decisions, and sometimes some of the decisions that I made were not good decisions. And I have to tell you, uh, Greg and Brian, that I believe that God stepped in and stopped some of the things that I was attempting to do. Uh, that would not have come to a uh, pleasant end. And I can only say it had to be God because it was not of anything of my doing because I was going in the wrong direction because I felt that was the only direction to go in. But as God did not allow it to happen, then I began to, that must be when the little voice began to speak to me, there is something more. There is something better. So it was always there because if I was not allowed to do the things to come to my demise, it did not take place, and it had to be for a reason. It had to be because there's something more and something better for me to do. And so that was always in me, and as I grew and become wiser in things, because we, we grow wiser every day, and we learn every day new things and different things in the Bible, different words that people just say as cliche, they become realization, and then you become aware of what they truly mean as you go each day and different things happen to you. So uh, as I as I grew up, and I wish I could find a scripture that says about even when I drink poisonous things, it would not harm me. Yes, or when yes. I do something harmful to my life to try to end it, it, it doesn't happen. That's because God has a plan and, you know, a perfect plan for my life for me to do. And no matter how I try to go in my way, 
he brings it back to what he has for me to do. So it may take a little long. I may be like the children of Israel, a journey that takes 11 days, it took 40, but he's going to get me there. <laughs> and I thank him for it. I'm just yeah. thankful that I'm on that path right now. And just this evening, this conversation, this phone conversation is letting me know I'm on the right path. And I am just so thankful for that. And for anyone who's listening who feels like it's too late, I'm 44 years old. It is not too late. It's never too late to go in the right way, to make a decision, uh, and, and to go follow your dreams, to overcome your fear. It's never too late. Every day that you wake up and God allows you breath in your body, first of all, you give him thanks, glory, and honor. And you say, today is a day that God has made. I will rejoice. And don't just say it as a cliche, say it and mean it. I will rejoice and be glad in it. And somebody today I'm going to touch in a positive way. Because you can touch people positively or negatively, and it's yeah. your choice. Yeah. So decide on yourself. And then you touch people positively, it will come back to you. Mm-hmm. I, I hear it. I used to hear them say that you get a double portion of whatever you put out. Absolutely. That comes, whatever you put out is going to come back on you double. So. <laughs> I think most of the time they would say that so you wouldn't be bad. But, you know, I believe it to the, the converse where if you put out good, good's going to come back on you double. Absolutely. You know, I, just look, I believe in the law of averages. You know, if I'm averaging 90% on something, I expect to get 90% back at least. But if I get 180, I'm even happier. <laughs> <laughs> let me ask you this question, Carol. First of all, let me give out the uh, the call-in number. Uh, you're listening to the Abundant Solutions Hour, and tonight's topic is take your life back. And if you'd like to call in with a question or a comment, the call-in number is 718-508-9600. That's 718-508-9600. And our special guest tonight is Carol Davis. And let me ask this question. How was it for you the first time you actually had to get involved with a real estate transaction? <laughs> oh, it was so scary. <laughs> first of all, as I said, I'm new to Tallahassee, and uh, I'm doing my map quest trying to you know, line up the houses that I have to go see. And, of course, in the end, by the end of the day, I had got lost, and I was like, Lord, and I'm just telling you the truth. I said, Lord, I'm lost, and the only way I'm going to get these people back is if you got me. And, honestly, as I was driving down the road, the street that I need to turn on came up. I was so thankful, but I was so scared, and I said, these people, they're going to say, I don't know what's wrong with this woman. She's driving us all over. We're not going to write a contract with her. And I'm going to tell you all the uh, uh, honest truth, and hopefully my daughter's listening and she can tell you, the house, the very first contract that I wrote is for a house that's five houses down from mine on the same street on the same side. So I know that was God. And it was a pure accident that I showed them this house. It wasn't even on the list. And we just happened to be going by, and I said, well, this house is for sale. We were coming to my house for some reason, probably because I got lost, going to do another map quest or something. But for some reason, we were coming up this street, and I said, well, this house. I said, well, do you think that we could see it? And, you know, we didn't have an appointment. So I called uh, the lady, and she was saying, well, it's really late, and I really, you know, don't know. And I said, well, ma'am, they really want to see it, and they're going to be going back to Mobile, and their son is going to Sam, and, you know, they really just want to see it. And she went ahead on, and I said, I said I'm your neighbor. I live right up the street from you. I'm sure you've gotten cards from me because I was doing the farming thing and everything. And she said, well, okay, well, they can come on over. And they came over, and they looked at the house, and he said, well, Carol, we think we want to get this house. And I wrote my first contract in my office at 1030 at night on a Saturday on a house on the same street that I live on. So I know that was from God. And the picture of it is hanging in my house right now. My um, uh, grandson's father took a picture. He's a photographer, and he took a picture, and it says just the beginning, and it has been, and it has been a blessing. You know what, Carol, I, I want to say this to everybody that's listening. No matter what you're facing right now, don't stop doing what it is that you were created to do. Don't stop trying to do better. Don't stop. Don't let what people say 
stop you from living and being happy. So many times we get caught up in being depressed that we forget what it's like to feel good. So when something starts happening good for us, the first thing we start looking for is something negative to happen. You, you, you lose the focus of great things are supposed to happen to you. And, and the reason I say all this, Carol, is what's for you is for you. Yes. It, it doesn't matter where you're at and what you're going through right now. And whatever you do, please don't ask uh, for the things that you're going through, this suffering, this pain to stop, because it's molding you. It's, it's there for a reason. It's there for a reason. And if you were rich, there's no way you can pay trials and tribulations to stop coming. It's coming. Absolutely. Yes, it's coming. I think what's important is how you look at it when it comes. How are you going to deal with it when it comes? Carol, I know you probably had an older grandmother or grandfather that when when something happens, it's like nothing upsets them. Mm -hmm. And they just sit there and they just, why are you getting upset? (laughs) And you're falling apart because you think your world is coming to an end. But it's not. So stay focused. And even, Carol, when you were going through the things that you were going through, when you were, you know, about to, to sell this house, to get this contract on this house, you didn't give up. No, But I it didn't. happened. It happened. Mm-hmm. Yes, the contract. Mm-hmm. You got the contract. It happened. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. So many of yeah, us. Absolutely. Yeah, Carol, so many of us are at the door of our breakthrough. Soon as it's time for us to turn the knob, we quit. Mm-hmm. We quit. So, Carol, now Bye. that you yeah, now that you're selling houses, what else um, is it that you're going to do now? I, I, I know you're, you're you're realtor, you're in Toastmasters. I know you're going to be the next governor, area governor in Toastmasters. We'll talk about that later. But what's next for Carol? Well, I believe I'm going to go ahead on and uh, take the broker's class and get my own office because I also do property management. Uh, as well, and it kind of goes hand-in-hand with selling real estate. But uh, I'll tell you something, (laughs) which has nothing to do with real estate, but I I love Chick-fil-A. I just love Chick-fil-A. I love their service. I just love everything about Chick-fil-A. And and most of all, I love the fact that they are not open on Sundays. And so I have decided, I I attempted many years ago to – get a franchise to to have my own, and it didn't come through because it said I needed more assets. But I said, you know, that is going to be my goal. I am going to own and operate a Chick-fil-A. Honey. And I also want to be a mayor in St. Petersburg, Florida as well. <laughs> you know what's so funny about, not not that it's funny in like a funny way, but it's ironic because are you from St. Petersburg? No. Oh, well, that's even Funny. I always said that I wanted to be the mayor of my hometown. Oh, okay. You know, and not that I even live in my hometown now, but, you know, that was something that I talked about when I was young. And, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of times people will say, well, why do you want to be the mayor of St. Pete? You don't even live there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, why do you want to be a mayor? You want that responsibility? Look at all the stuff that you have to be responsible for. But, you know, and I always tell people, and I always, I always tell myself, never let someone kill your dream. Absolutely. Absolutely. I tell people all the time, don't let anybody steal your joy. You know, because we have mm-hmm. a lot of dream killers. Yes, And, indeed. I mean, they, 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 they divert you from what your goal, you know. I, I don't even know how to put it into words what some people will do when they hear about what you aspire to do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I can remember when I was young and someone told me I would never be able to go to college because nobody in my family finished college. You know, the closest that we ever got was one of my co- older cousins had gone to like a local uh, community college mm-hmm. and finished a two-year program. And, you know what I mean? And so that was the close we got because all of my uncles and my one of my aunts graduated from college. That was it. But none of the males. Mm. But none of the males. And they said, well, you think you're going to be the first male to graduate? Uh, 
None of them made it. None of them made it. And now, because I stayed on that path and I didn't let them kill my dream, I'm not only the first. I have about seven or eight cousins behind me that are male that graduated from college because right. of me. Most of them came here and either went to FAMU or FSU because of me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, Absolutely. and so I bucked the trend. But it was because I did not let them kill my dream. Even when times got rough and I didn't have any money and no food and, you know, and at, at one time nowhere to stay, you know, I'm sleeping on the on the floor of somebody's house, you know, with a pillow and getting ready to sleep in my car, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I went through all those things. Mm-hmm. I never let it get to me. I never let it divert me from the goal that I had set for myself. And it wasn't because I wanted to prove somebody wrong. It was because I wanted to prove somebody right. Okay. Mm-hmm. See, because most people are motivated by negative statements that people right. say about you. Right. Never let negativity motivate you. Mm-hmm. You see, most people will say, well, you, that should make you want to do something. Well, some people say you can't do it. But how can negative, how can negativity make something positive? You mm-hmm. see? They, mm-hmm. You know, what, what do you think, Carol? Do you think that somebody making a negative statement can create a positive outcome? I believe it times again. <laughs> It just depends on the person. and But, I, I mean, oftentimes I've heard people say because something was negative said to me, I had to prove them wrong. So at times it can, but it should not. It should not be the motivation. It should be positive, you know, someone giving you positive feedback and letting you know you can do well and that you are strong and that you are able. That should drive you more mm. to do what you can do and to be the best that you can be. Carol, are you um – I'm gonna ask you this because I I don't know uh, I don't know the answer, but with real estate, we see on television all the time everybody saying buy land, buy land, buy houses, sell it, whatever, whatever. You can make a lot of money. It's a professional thing. Uh, do you think it, or or are you willing to get into training or mentoring uh, other children that are coming up? under you to say, you know what, you can do this, you can have your own office, you can sell houses, you can do whatever you want to do. Is that something that you ever wanted to probably step into? Absolutely. Absolutely. I I definitely want to tell people uh, that they are able, that they are able because I feel like this. If you can pay rent, you can buy a house because when you're paying rent, you're making your landlord rich. Why not do it for yourself? No matter what the rent is, you know, and people say, well, I only pay 600 You can buy a house and pay $600 a month. I can find it for you. And you just live there for a few years and build up your credit and make your payments on time. And don't go out and buy a brand-new car. If you have a car that's running, take care of that car. In time, you'll get a better car, a newer car. But make your house payments on time, and you are able to get whatever you want. So absolutely, I want to... Uh, train young women, young men, to let them know that we have the right to have a part of the American dream. We have the right to own title companies, banks, whatever it is that we want to do, but especially our own home. We have the right to that, and we have to believe that. And I just feel today we are influenced by so much that is negative and that we don't believe that we're able to do it when we can. And it is the responsibility of parents, it's the responsibility of uh, our churches, it's the responsibility of our leaders in our community to ensure that our children are aware that I can do and have whatever and that I have the right to own as much land as I want to own. Buy me a, a beautiful hotel on the water, condo on the water, whatever. But we do need to teach them what way to go in order to do that and let them know that there are legal uh, means to obtain wealth. And the other thing that I want uh, us as a people to know, that we need to leave generational wealth. 
that we need to do that, that we are not only about me and my time, but my children and my grandchildren provide for them generational wealth, and we need to do that, and we can. we got to work together. we got to be on one accord and, and believe that we're able. And just and if we see somebody, you know, as they say in the old times, you know, if my neighbor saw me doing something wrong, they would spank me and then I'd go home and, and my parents would too. I mean, that's what we have to get back to. It cannot be, you put your hands on my child, what did you say to my child? I mean, what is that about? So then you're okay with them doing something wrong, you're okay with them stealing, you're okay with them cursing. Is that what you're saying, that that's fine with you, you accept that, that's what you want to teach your child? You know, come on, no, that's not right. And, and first of all, we are more than that. You know, that's, that's the thing. You are more than that. You are better than that. How can you accept that? Who told you that that's all you can be? Who told you that that's the only way you, you can speak? You know, where did you get that from? That's not in the Word. You know, we are more than conquerors. So we are, we are blessed people, and we have the right to have whatever it is that we strive to do. And, and we, you know, it's just, it's just within us, and we got to tap in on that, tap in on the good things that are within us and believe that, you know, we are overcomers. We have strength, we have power, we have love, we have peace, we have joy, we have all that we need to obtain and be successful and be prosperous in this world. Yes, we do. Carol, yes. I want to say this. When you were talking about the family wealth, I think the mindset needs to be changed, and that's why I was asking, is that something that you would like to step into? Because Brian and I, we do it all the time as far as the mentoring and, I, and our main thing is to break that family cycle. You see so many parents right now that if you go back and you look over the history, you'll see that they're doing and falling into the same traps as their parents. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it's almost like they don't want to do anything any different from what their parents did. Mm-hmm. But we, we, we got to get out of that. We have to get out of that. We have to step out and do something different. We have to do something different. So tell me, what? How do you think we need to go into the neighborhoods and 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 get this word out that you could do more, you could be more, and you can have more? Well, I believe we need to go into the schools. Awesome. And 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 I mean schools that are trouble schools, schools that are bad schools, schools that have DNF ratings. Okay, if you have a program, you need to introduce it to the principal or administrators and whatever and let them know we're doing this for free. We're volunteering. And, you know, we want to have some time with the students, with the children, and talk to them, whatever it is you want to present to them. But you need to go into the schools. Uh, also, you can uh, link up with churches. And sometimes, you know what I feel like? You, a few of you all get together and just go door-to-door, door, go door-to-door and knock on the door and say, yeah. can I talk, you know, parents, whoever, mother, father, whatever, sit down and talk to them. I'm not trying to sell you anything. I just want to talk to you, tell you what I'm about, what I'm offering, what I can do, how can I help you, what are your needs, what are your concerns. We can't... Uh, just say we're talking about it here on the program and for those who are calling in and listening. Most of them probably agree. But the people that you're trying to touch, they're not, they're not, they're not here, they're not listening. So you have to go out and get them. And if they're in the schools, you know, wherever. And I posed a question at my uh, prayer meeting. I was standing in the store and the gentleman next to me was standing there buying something and he had his pants way down. And I, I, I you know, I just asked, how do I approach that? What do I say? Because I want to know what does that mean? What do you? What message do you think that you're sending? But you guys are men. What do you think about it when you see that? What do you do? What do you say? So uh, things like that. <laughs> That's what I mean. You you got you got to step up and, and say something and do something. So tell me what what would you do? I don't think you know what when I see that. I I don't think the guys really understand. I'll let Brian explain why the guys wear their pants that way. But yeah. and, and the real thing behind it, I don't think they understand what it is that they're doing. I don't think they understand what it represents when you wear your pants down like that. Brian, I'm going to let you tell them because I don't want to say it. Well, I can tell you about it. It's it's derived from jailhouse culture. Mm-hmm. In the jailhouse, there's a subculture. There's a culture and a subculture that goes on. And a lot of the guys that are in jail, they become property of, of, the, other, of the other guys. 
if you know what I mean. Yes, I they become their 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 concubine, for lack of a better word. Okay. And they do it in order to stay alive because they need protection from the other persons that are trying to do this to them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so they would wear their pants sagging to say that they were available. It's basically it's it's a way of saying it without coming out and saying it. Because mm-hmm. if you come out and say it, then you sound weak, you know. But they'll they'll sag their pants and say, "Hey, I'm available." And so. Mm-hmm. Because the guys were doing this so often, you had so many black males in prison, it became a fad. And when they came out, they would be sagging their pants. And so they'd see so many young black males who were out sagging their pants, everybody started doing it. So, Brian, what is sagging spelled backwards? You don't have to say it. Well, you don't have to. I think anybody that writes it down could tell what that word is. (laughs) But, you know, but the reality behind this, I'll kind of, give you an idea of what I do when I see that. Typically, I'll just go right up to them and say, hey, man, can you pull your pants up a little bit? I mean, there's young ladies in here. There's a, a couple of older women over here, and I think you're offending them. And I'll wait for their response because most of the time they'll they'll pull their pants up just for a little bit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, I can remember uh, we had uh, Easter dinner at my house, and one of my mother-in-law's old foster children, had come over for Easter dinner, and she had two of her friends with her. And both of them came in, their pants all hanging down. I said, son, you got to pull those pants up in here. I said, because nobody wants to see your underwear. He's like, oh, I'm sorry, so I'm sorry, sir. So before I could say it to the other guy, he pulled his shirt down so you couldn't see it. <laughs> and I said, ah, oh, that don't work with me. Get those pants up. Oh, goodness. You know. And they mm-hmm. laughed about it, but they understood. See, I think when you speak with authority, yes, then they tend to have more respect than if you come and say, well, hey, can you, can you pull those pants up? You can't say that. Man, pull those pants up. I don't want to see your underwear. <laughs> but, man, let me and more often than not, they'll respect you more if you say it then if you just walk right past them and then not say a word. Not say anything, right. Yes, that's right. true. Let me ask, Brent, let me ask Carol this. Carol, mm-hmm. what do you say when you see girls doing that? Because the girls are starting to do that now. Absolutely. It's the craziest thing I've ever seen. Wow. Well, now, I have actually never seen a girl do it. I, I can actually say that I have not seen that. Okay, but well, I guess I need, to, I need to step to them. If I'm telling it to you, I need to step to them as well. And since it is a female and I'm a female, yes. and, but first of all, I just want to ask them, what, what type of message do you feel you're sending, and what type of message do you want to send about yourself? And then is that, you know, is that all you think that you're worth? You know, you're worth so much more, and you are a queen, and you need to be respected and treated like a queen. But perhaps no one has ever told them that they are and that they are beautiful, you know, and that there are something to be treasured and not abused, not looked down on, not cursed at, not called out their name, and they don't need to degrade themselves, or they don't have to dance a certain way or, or dress a certain way to get attention. You know, you just being a woman, just being a female derives that you get attention. You yeah. know, if you're just all covered up, you're still a, a woman, a, a female, a girl. You just That just connotates that I need attention, I'm special. So you don't have to add to it or take away, you know, the way that you're doing it. It's really degrading that. And then I, I just think sometimes, what about if you have your, your little girl? Is that the way you want the, the message that you want to send to your child, to your daughter? Do you want to see her on TV, half naked? You know, is that something that you aspire to do? I'm in the fifth, sixth grade, and what do I want to be? Is that what you aspire to do for yourself? Do you think all that you can do and all that you can be? Absolutely not. But okay. maybe they are not told, and, and Brian and, and Greg, that's why I believe, that they are not told that they are special. Yeah. And you, you know, know what it, I think it is also? I think that even if somebody tells them that, they sort of say it in an, not necessarily in an authoritative way, but sort of like in an, in an angry way. It's sort of like a, a lashing out. You know, it's like if you tell somebody, hey, that's not a good idea to wear your pants are hanging low. Or you say, man, pull your pants up, you fool. You see what I mean? Mm-hmm. You're saying the same thing, 
Mm-hmm. But it's the way you say it, and I think Absolutely. a lot of times with a lot of parents or with a lot of people, it's the way that they say something that garners the response that they get. Right, right. You know, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. like if I went in, if I went in a store and I saw a kid with his pants down, and I said, "Man, if you don't pull your pants up, I'm gonna slap you upside the head." I guarantee you, that's that's ripe for confrontation. Yes. <laughs> you see what I mean? But yes. if I say it in a way, hey, man, you know, the the older lady over there, come on, man, give us some respect, please. Do it do it, do it for as, if that was your grandmother. Good right. yeah. you give them something to think about, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. then they, make, they tend to make the right choice, even if it's for that short time while they're in that place. You know what, Brian, this is what I've done. I, I've gone up to a couple of the guys, and, I, and and we're in the mall, and they're wearing their pants like that. They'll they'll acknowledge you, and these kids, they're so smart. They they're so smart. They'll look at you, and they'll speak. Sometimes they won't speak, but if you speak, they will acknowledge you. They'll speak, and in their tone when they speak, you know that if this person is approachable or not. And what I'll do, I'll go up to them and I'll say my name, and I'll say, uh, "How are you doing?" I'm all right, such and such. No, no, no. How are you doing? I want to know how are you doing. See, we 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 use how are you doing as uh, as a hello, and that's not what it's meant to be. I, if I want to say hello, I would just say hello. I want to know how you're doing, and we we can say pull your pants up. We can fuss at them and do whatever, whatever. But I don't think that's the message. I don't think that's the proper way to get across to them. I think what we need to ask them is. Don't pull your pants up for the older lady that you see or because girls are in here. That's, 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 that is a proper way, but you should pull your pants up for you. Do you know who you are? Mm-hmm. I've asked that question. You know what they tell me? They'll tell me their name. I said, no, 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 I, I'm not asking your name. I'm asking you, who are you? They cannot answer that. They don't know their worth, Carol, like you said. And with right. the little girl... They can change. Girls have so much power. They can change the way guys dress. They can change the way guys talk because 98% of the time the guys are doing things for the girls to get the girl or to get some type of attention. Mm-hmm. If that girl says, I don't date guys that wear their pants down and this and that, I, I date guys that wear hard bottom shoes, you'll see the game change. I guarantee you. You'll oh, see I believe it. Yes. So, Carol, when you, yeah, Carol, when you were growing up, what did your I want to know what your grandmother said to you when you stepped out of line and you wanted to wear the little short skirts. I'm not saying that you did, but I'm just asking. <laughs> and no, I didn't. But my my grandmother lived in a totally different state. I grew up in Georgia, and she lived in Louisiana. So uh, she wasn't around. You know, I wasn't around her on a day to day or week to week type of thing. It was a we going to visit for a summer or something like that, but uh, I did not wear short shorts or anything like that, so there was no need to address me with that. Well, good, but you know, but you know what I mean. When 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 we want as we're growing up, we want to do things because we see the other person doing that, or we see that girl wearing the skimpy whatever whatever, and that person is receiving a lot of attention. But really, that girl really don't know who she is. That's why she's doing that. Right. She's using right. what she got to get what she wants. There are songs out there that tell them to do that, and they do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they get themselves in situations where, let's just say, adult situations that they can't get out of. And Absolutely. now, yeah, 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 and now they're dealing with life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're dealing with life. Mm-hmm. But, Carol, I want we kind of got off track a little bit, but I want to get back on to taking your life back. When you were doing your thing, when you were starting to sell your houses and and getting into the business of meeting people and talking to people, what part, how did you come to the fact to say, you know what, I'm going to face this fear and I'm going to overcome it? Actually, that was because of my helping them and and the, what can I say, the, uh, the way that I felt when I helped a first-time home buyer, and those are the uh, people that I really, really like to deal with, people who have never owned a home before. And so the first time that I helped someone to buy their first home that they 
something that they thought they would not be able to do, that they had to do uh, a lot of uh, work to achieve, take some classes, do some things on their credit. The way that I felt after that, that's what helps me to keep going, um, the encouragement that I can give to them, and I always tell them to pray about it constantly telling them to pray about it, constantly inviting them to my church and letting them know that God wants the best for all of us. And when I had them to close and sign the paperwork and give them their key, that was just such a great feeling. And it let me know that I was doing the right thing, that I'm going down the right path. And it encouraged me to keep going and to keep doing and to keep meeting people and and to keep letting them know that uh, we, we have the right to own homes and own property because when you are renting, again, I'm saying to anyone that's listening, when you are just renting and giving your money every month, you are just helping the landlord. You're helping them to prosper. You're helping them to achieve wealth. You're helping them to go out and buy other properties. And if you're a person that pays your rent on time every month, you can own your own home. You can become a landlord. You can leave property for your children and for your grandchildren. Mm-hmm. And realizing that, that is what keeps me going and just meeting people and uh, talking to people and being there for them and listening to them. And sometimes I work with people for months and months, and they never buy a house, but I still stay in contact with them, and they call me about things that have nothing to do with real estate, just about other things, just wanting me to listen and hear Uh, give them some advice, give them some guidance, and that helps me. That encourages me to keep doing it as well. Yeah, awesome. Awesome. That's awesome. You know, Carol, I want to ask a question about, and it's pertaining to uh, real estate. You know, I always listen to um, the talk show host Dave Ramsey. Mm -hmm. He's one of my favorite talk show hosts. He talks about money. (laughs) (laughs) And he's always quoting, you know, the Bible where it says the borrower is slave to the lender. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, most people look at that and they'll say, well, if I got to borrow money to buy a house, won't that make me a slave to the lender because the lender's got to give me the money to borrow? You know, and I usually tell them, I say, well, look, either way, you know, if you're going to borrow money to buy the house, at least you're making a purchase towards something you can own one day right. versus you working for it, because I say either way, you're working for it. I say, but you're paying a bill on somebody else's dream. Yes. You know? That's absolutely correct. And, and I say that to say that to ask this question, and I know you kind of alluded to it earlier, but how did it feel? I mean, how did it really feel? What was the look on their faces when you gave them their key? The first one, I mean the first person that you sold the house to, when you handed them the key, explain how what they looked like, on, the look on their face, and then explain the feeling you had. Okay. And it wasn't the first person because the first person already owned a home. He was buying the home for his son who goes to fam. Okay. But the first first-time home buyer, first of all, the look was disbelief. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. It was disbelief on their part. So that tells me how we are disenfranchised. It wasn't a, a look of uh, joy, and, and it was a, a look of disbelief and kind of shock and uncertainty. wasn't sure, like, you know, like they were scared, like, you know, these are mine, you know, like, what do I do now? Instead of, you know, I'm happy, I'm great, it, it truly it wasn't. But that was my feeling. I was happy for them, and I had to reassure them. I had to give them the reassurance. I had to let them know you have done a great thing, that this is awesome. And then I had to let them know also now you're going to get in the mail, people trying to sell you stuff, people trying to get you to get this credit card and different things. And that's another thing. That's why foreclosure rate is so high. After uh, first-time home buyer purchase a home, we still need to have educational classes to teach them. You can't give them the keys get their home, and just let them go because they're going to be bombarded with things. You can get this, you can get this, you know, you can get this equity on your house. They have to know those are just scams. It's not there to help you. That's there to get you into more debt. 
So I had to reassure them and, and just tell them, when you get those things in the mail, just throw them away. This is going to be great. This is your house now. And you can go out in the yard and plant you some flowers. You can do whatever you want to do. You know, I, it was me having to, to just encourage them, encourage them, encourage them, because the first person truly was in disbelief and just was in shock and was just was scared. They they really were scared. So you... Uh... You, is it safe to say that they had the, the the mustard seed faith, but they stayed with it anyhow? Yes, yes, they stayed with it because, because as a realtor, you I had to keep encouraging them though. Yes, that, that's what I was going to say. Yes, yes, along yes. the way, just encouraging them and letting them know you're doing the right thing. You're doing the right, right thing because it was doubt. You could you could see the doubt. You know, but it was like doing the right thing. And I said, you talk to God about it. You pray about it and pray about it. And I said, but do you really like the house? Yeah, I really like the house. And I, and I know, and I mean, and they say, I know I need to own my own home. I know I do. And they could afford it. So in the first person, it wasn't even about they had to go through a lot of things with the credit. It wasn't even that. They could be qualified. It wasn't a problem. But they just, you know, I, I, I don't know, was it that they didn't have anybody to tell them or to, to let them know you need to go ahead on and own a home or why they didn't do it, I don't know. But inside, they kind of, you know, they knew I need to do this. They were just afraid. They were just afraid. And you know what? I think a lot of that has to do with um, their parents or someone else not ever owning a home. They Because that happens so often that we see what our parents do and we want to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, not not all the times, but that does right. happen. Yeah, right. it, it yeah it happens. And and Carol, I want to say this before I forget. You were saying you wanted to be the, uh, the owner of a Chick Fil A. Chick Fil A. Yeah, I, I'm gonna say this now for the listeners. You may have to look this up. And Carol, you you probably already know this scripture, but I'm I'm gonna stand in agreement with you on that. You and Brian both. Brian wants to be the city, the the mayor of his city. So uh, I'm, I'm I'm saying it. I'm saying it tonight. I'm saying it tonight that I stand in agreement with you. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, turn to Matthew chapter 18 and the 19th verse. You said Matthew. Matthew 18 and 19, and that'll sum it up. But I'm sure Brian probably had another question for you. Brian, you're, you're up. Well, no, I want to hear what you're going to say, Greg. <laughs> no, hey, you, you. Well, then I found it. You want me to read it, Matthew 18 and 19? Yeah, you can I read can it. pretty much tell you what it says, but go well, ahead you know and read it. it. Yeah, go ahead. It says, again, I say unto you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything <laughs> that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father, which is in heaven. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thank you for touching and agreeing with me on that. <laughs> he can't lie. He can't lie. <laughs> But you know, yes, it, it, yeah, yeah. <laughs> iron sharpens iron. It does. Mm-hmm. Iron sharpens iron. I think, Carol, you said something earlier that we try to fight battles. Basically, this is what you said. We try to fight battles, but we don't know what the word says. But if you don't know what the word says, you're in trouble. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're in trouble. We see this all the time. We see it all the time. We're faced with negativity. We don't know how to deal with it. First thing we do, we get upset. Or when you tell someone, you can own this home, you can do this, you can do that, you could do this or whatever. They don't believe you. They want to believe you, but because of the environment that they probably grew up in was mm-hmm. not one, and they're not used to hearing the positive things that you're saying to them, they think, oh, she's just saying this to get my money. Oh, amen. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, so. I think when you oh. go to them, yeah. I think the way that you go to them and you open up to them, and it's not about you. You you you're turning them on to their creator. I I think that's so wonderful that you the way that you're doing this. It's it's so awesome. But that scripture again. So anybody that's out there listening, you need to go to Matthew 18 and 19. Uh, one of the persons in the chat room wanted to hear that again. But Carol, I want you. To, we have about five minutes left. Okay. And oh my gosh, really? Yes, I, I it's want. Quickly. Yes, it has. I want to hear from you. I want you to tell our listeners that are struggling with issues that seems like mountains that's in front of them. 
I want you to give them something motivating. I want you to say something motivating to these people. It's almost like table topics. You know what that means, but I want you to, yes, I want you to tell them what they can do. Mm. Not what they can't do. They're used to hearing that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. People are used to hearing that. So I'm gonna let I'm gonna open the floor up to you. Oh my goodness! Well, I was trying to find the scripture here that I brought this morning, <laughs> <laughs> and I just brought it this morning. But basically, it was talking about uh, how God was with the children of Israel, and it says that He had them to capture seven nations. It also stated in there where they. One of the nations, or many of the nations, actually had high walls, had bars and gates. But yet, with God, they were destroyed. They were utterly destroyed, is what the word said. And understand that the same God that was in those days is the same God of today. And God is not a man that he should lie. But first of all, we need to be in the scripture. Turn off the TV, turn off the radio, and spend some time with your God because he is waiting for us. And I am here to tell you from a person who went from a job that the 15th and the 30th you got paid, had benefits, and all of that right there and stepped out on faith and came to a city that I did not know anyone, don't know, capital circle, Mayhan, 9027, what is that, and try to sell real estate? How can you do that? that that's, that's amazing. But the God that we serve allowed me to do that. And it's not just me. We all are special in his eyes. Anything that you want to do, seek him. He will guide you. He will lead you. He will be there for you. He will give you confirmation. And let me say tonight, if you are listening, this is confirmation. This is confirmation to you to tell you that you are on the right path, that your dream can be fulfilled, that you just step out on faith, and God has the rest of it. All he needs us to do to say, God, I submit myself to you, and I believe. I believe I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthened me. I believe I'm more than a conqueror. I believe, God, that you are with me always, that you will not leave me nor forsake me. I believe. Understand that God loves you. You are special, very special in his sight, and he only wants the best for us. And if we speak it and believe it, it shall be done in Jesus' name. Thank you. Awesome, awesome. So, Carol, if someone wanted to get in contact with you about what you do, about speaking engagements and all these things, how can they get in contact with you? Uh, my number is 850-322-8250. Mm. All right. You know, I'm going to close out the show with this. And first of all, I'd like to say thank you, Ms. Davis, yes, for yes, Carol, joining us. It's an awesome show. You definitely have a talent that's worthy for recognition. Thank you. Thank you. Glory to God. All glory to God. You know, and and I want to close out by saying this. Today, tonight, right now is the time and the place, wherever you're standing, wherever you're sitting, wherever you are, it is time to take back your life. It's time for you to stand up if you can. But if even if you can't stand up, stand up your mind. Stand up your mind to new things. Open your mind to the things that are, are already ready there for you. Broaden your horizon. And get ready for the outpouring because it's coming. Amen. It is coming. Yes, thank you for joining us tonight. We will be back on the air. We won't be on the air Friday. I'm not sure yet. Brian is going to make that decision or not. But we thank you, uh, Carol, 
for coming yes. on and, and, and fellowshipping with us, and we thank everybody out there. We just want to say, if you just hang on, the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. And you have to believe that. Rock. Ah, everybody, come on, put your hands on. Blog Talk Radio.